94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. home on this uh, Tuesday or just keeping you company as you're out driving around uh, P-Man with you uh, hey what what another sort of jam-packed last hour we've had leading up to this show lots of developments lots of things happening uh, among all the big uh, happenings here Ben Byram's birthday today so happy birthday to you Ben I'm sorry you had to you have to spend it with me. It's all right. It's all right. No place I'd rather be right here. Barking at you, telling you what to do. Sorry. But hey, happy birthday to you, buddy. Many happy returns. Thank you. Thank you. Means a lot. Much that was love. quite a. That was quite a picture. Uh, I'll get my. Uh, I'll get my birthday uh, surprise for you here in. In a little bit. All right. All right. I don't know. I don't know if it'll translate over. It's an audio surprise. I should have done it earlier in the day, but then you would know what it was. Woo! Exactly. There's a surprise. Guess what happened uh, a little earlier this afternoon? The uh, governor of the state of North Carolina, Governor Wimpy uh, Cooper, Governor Cooper, uh, has uh, basically said that uh, NASCAR appears to be uh, moving forward with a race in uh, our state. They'll be making that announcement soon. Uh, let's go to the beautiful bean footage here. Cut three on our vast cut roster today with uh, Governor Cooper talking about uh, the plans in place for NASCAR moving forward. I have had conversations with NASCAR officials and officials at the Charlotte Motor Speedway and uh, they have submitted plans that involve social distancing. Our public health officials, Secretary Cohen and uh, State Health Director Betsy Tilson, have uh, looked at them and made some suggestions, but uh, will approve those. And we believe that unless health conditions go down that we can have the coca-cola 600 uh, on memorial day weekend in charlotte i think that or in concord is where it would be i think that nascar will be making that announcement but we believe that's what will happen uh chad whitley uh on social when we uh put this out originally this afternoon uh asked about why it would be without fans if they are talking about uh, distancing, uh, social distancing plans. NASCAR submitting that. My guess would be that if they're going to have it without fans and they're considering social distancing, if the Charlotte Motor, and we're going to try to get the Charlotte Motor Speedway folks on uh, tomorrow or this week, uh, if the Charlotte Motor Speedway folks um, have submitted, I'm sure they've submitted something with limited fans, which was probably rejected. And uh, I guess what they mean by distancing in this case would be, can the crews distance during that, during NASCAR? Are there things that are there mechanisms in place 
that uh, the NASCAR folks uh, could possibly, uh, you know, even though they're going to be working the pit crews, especially tight quarters, is there a way to protect them? Can other members that are part of the team be socially uh, distanced from one another, et cetera, in order to uh, pull this race off Memorial Day weekend? Uh, so we'll see. Uh, that, that's the only thing I could think of. I would think maybe, you know, if they're going to allow media in, what's the plan for the TV folks? What's the plan uh, for track officials? So that might be what they're talking about, Chad, as opposed to uh, something specific as far as fans social distancing. That would be my only guess. Again, uh, I'm going to reach out to my friends over at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. And uh, usually we'd be getting ready to give you tickets to this event, but uh, that's not the way it is. But I do uh, view that as a real positive. Uh, there were a couple of other things, that I, and, and I, I want to get to baseball because baseball's come out with a, a really intriguing plan here in the last little bit, reportedly. Uh, but uh, Governor Cooper was asked a couple of questions by the uh, Eastern North Carolina media today. Uh, I didn't really know that the folks at Raleigh knew that there was an Eastern North Carolina. I'm surprised they got through. Uh, this is uh, Washington Daily News reporter Matt Dunham with uh, a question about opening Eastern counties. This is the question and the answer uh, from the Gov earlier. Good afternoon, Governor. Uh, my question for you today is uh, what are your thoughts on potentially granting local governments additional flexibility to safely ease some restrictions at their own pace. Thank you. Thanks. We know that this virus does not respect county lines. There are people who live in one county, work in another county, shop in yet another county. And when that happens, the virus can spread from county to county. We know that there have been some hot spots, for lack of a better word, in our state. And some local governments have wanted to go further than the orders that I put in place on a statewide basis. But we're going to continue with having the state have a floor with some counties and local, some cities being able to have more restrictions than that. We'll still leave open the potential of looking at regional reopening if the data shows us that going forward. Right now, we're, we're not there yet. Uh, hopefully, by May 8th, we can begin going into phase one if the numbers tell us that we can, can do that. But we'll continue to look at the potential of regional phases, and we've gotten some input on that from across the state. So the key there is at the end when he said they would continue to look at the potential for regional faces. So they go to the next question and it's from the reflectors, Ginger Livingston and how they allowed one Eastern North Carolina question in the governor's press conference. I don't know, but how back to back happened. I'm sure someone's getting a tongue lashing right now at the mansion. Uh, but this is Ginger Livingston who started down the path of let's try to get these coastal communities uh, and then the governor expands a little bit on the idea of regional openings. Uh, she asked about Atlantic Beach specifically and some of the other beaches opening. And uh, this is what uh, Governor Cooper had to say about uh, that. She was talking about these beaches opening before his May 8th deadline. 
Hi, Governor. This is Ginger Livingston with Daily Reflector. Well, I would like to get your reaction to Carteret County, um, Atlantic Beach, making decisions to start opening their beaches to the public before May 8th. I think that uh, local governments do have the authority to do that. And my understanding that some of these local communities are opening beaches more than they were, but are putting some restrictions in the people who can be on the beach and the kinds of things that they can do. We would encourage these local communities to do things that encourage people to keep moving, encourage people to be socially distant. And we have been on the phone with a lot of our municipalities and our public health people work with theirs and we'll continue to, to talk about that. But that is something that they can do and some of them have done, but they're doing that on a gradual basis. So again, he comes back to their, based on that answer, some consideration for uh, reopening uh, things regionally. So apparently the message from the East, a drumbeat that has been led and has to be led by local municipalities, uh, the, the county commissioners, the city councils, the chambers of commerce. That's where the drumbeat is going to have to come from to get the economy back going and reopening the eastern part of the state, which is in nowhere uh, the, the bad shape that other parts of North Carolina is, i.e. Mecklenburg County and Charlotte, uh, the Triangle, the Triad, and certainly uh, no more than any of these nursing homes uh, that are in areas throughout the state that are, that are right now the majority of the deaths, uh, at least they were as of yesterday. They were a half with the prison deaths that uh, – that uh, combined for more than half the majority of the deaths uh, in the state to this so far. Okay, uh, that is uh, what's happening there. Brian Geisinger up a little bit later on. I think it's a good time to grab a break. When we come back, baseball uh, with uh, a scenario to get games in this year. Uh, we've got that. Cam Newton's uh, future uh, speculated upon uh, by uh, Pat McAfee and others today. And uh, we heard from John Gilbert through a, a message from the helm. So we'll address that. We'll address MLB. Uh, have some more audio for you. Brian Geisinger talking college basketball as well as the NBA and the last dance from uh, accsports.com and Sports Channel 8. So there's a ton to get to here. Let's break. We'll come back and uh, bring you more on the Patrick Johnson. The Patrick Johnson Show. He's the perfect stud muffin. He's a menace to society. Every weekday at 5 on 94.3 The Game. Earlier today, John Gilbert releasing uh, one of his From the Helm messages via ecupirates.com. We've got it up on our social media. And uh, this follows Interim Chancellor Ron Mitchelson's uh, message yesterday that the intent is to have students back on campus in the fall. Uh, in this, John runs through a number of things, a couple of things that stand out as a, a highlight to me, one that is not such a uh, great uh, message, but I think to be expected, obviously, with the NCAA tournament not being played and the spring sports uh, season being wiped out. Uh, John writes, due to the pandemic, we anticipate revenue shortfalls in these main buckets. 
uh, NCAAAC distributions, Pirate Club donations, corporate sponsorship, baseball and softball ticket sales, concessions and licensing revenue. Due to these shortfalls, we anticipate our deficit will grow by at least $5 million. Uh, of course, this is not a great way to wrap up the fiscal year, the new one beginning July 1st. Uh, but uh, John being, as he said, transparent uh, there. And I think uh, people appreciate that. He did write about of the 33 eligible seniors who were uh, allowed an extra year of spring sports competition because of the NCAA legislation. 14 have decided to return for an additional season, and it will cost an additional $275,000. He notes that some seniors have already committed to jobs and have opted to attend graduate school or already made future plans. Uh, Squad sizes and equipment costs will grow, but we are formulating a plan to absorb uh, those costs. He also notes that uh, there will be a new priority ticket deadline and incentives to renew tickets. Uh, that will be coming out via an email tomorrow. The thing I guess I would I would want to know is of the 33, is that 14 is the hard number, or are there still some making a decision uh, whether to come back? Of course, one would think they've already sort of made a decision on what exactly they're going to do at this point, uh, especially those who have uh, postgraduate uh, plans. But uh, that is, I think, under what John was saying of the 350 he thought it would cost. Uh, and that's the only reason I wonder if that is a, uh, a final tally, but uh, I'm sure we'll be talking to him soon enough and, and can get sort of an update on the lay of the land as far as that goes. All right, uh, to a little bit of happier uh, news here. Uh, before we get to baseball, don't forget to check us out on Spotify. You can get the show there now. Not only are we uh, still posting the show via SoundCloud and distributing it via our social media, but we also will have uh, now for you uh, the uh, – shows and and specialty programs, uh, play-by-play events that are local, uh, all of that via Spotify. In fact, there are some past shows of uh, our program on the Spotify uh, page for 94.3 The Game. All you have to do is uh, search 94.3 The Game uh, Spotify. You can find us uh, there now, and this will include today's show as well. I wanted to bring you a couple of things. Uh, Ken Rosenthal in a pretty wide-ranging report in The Athletic uh, talking about the possibility to start Major League Baseball. Uh, From that article, the most realistic time range for opening day, somewhere between mid-June and July 4th, in the view of most officials, it would allow for an 80- to 100-game regular season with the schedule running through October. An expanded postseason at neutral sites might follow with the World Series ending in late November or early December. Yikes. Uh... CBS Sports reporting on that article, the goal for both owners and players is to maximize the number of games in the season and thus maximize maximize revenues. At this point, playing half of the 162-game slate feels ambitious, but with larger rosters and perhaps more frequently scheduled doubleheaders, it is theoretically doable. Uh, USA Today with a report right before we came on the air here uh, talking about a scenario that would uh, start the season in late June and playing in home stadiums with realigned leagues. Uh, I'll get to more on that in a moment. Uh, Here is a a, a kind of a recap of how that has come about from uh, USA Today's Bob Nightdale, who recaps a conversation he had with the MLBPA's Tony Clark 
about how Major League Baseball will move forward. Well, after a 90-minute telephone interview with Tony Clark in Phoenix, Clark is just like everybody else, cautiously optimistic, but really having no idea whether it be baseball season or not. What he says is two things must happen for a season to start. That is, there must be testing for all the players and also the general public in a vaccine. Until then, it's senseless, he says, to talk about contingency plans, whether or not players would play in isolation, and whether players like Mike Trout would leave his pregnant wife to play away from home for four and a half months, and with Clayton Kershaw, the side young one of the Dodgers, saying he would not do that. So when asked if it's possible that maybe some players would play, some wouldn't, he says it hasn't come close to even addressing that with the players. What they have addressed is that they're willing to play in front of open stadiums with no fans. It's not ideal, he says, a different animal, but yet they're willing to do so just to get baseball back. And the fans would obviously enjoy just some kind of action, activity they can watch at home on TV. You didn't put uh, a music bet under that video. It wasn't your choice, was it, Ben? I did not. That was all okay. USA Today. It's kind of lame. It is. There's there's nothing to it. No <laughs> pop to it. That was that was a, a little distracting. So uh, Nightdale writes that the plan would be to start no later than July second, playing at least a hundred regular season games. He talked to as many as three executives with knowledge of these talks. Of course, they want anonymity. Uh, let's see here. Major League Baseball is considering a three division, ten team plan in which teams play only within their division, a concept that is gaining support among owners and executives. It would essentially abolish the traditional American and national leagues and realign the divisions based on geography. Ben, do you want to hear these? Uh, how they list it? This is out of the USA Today report from a little bit ago. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I, I want to see how they reshape the league here. All right, so they go with the East here, the Yankees and the Mets, the Red Sox, Nationals, Orioles, Phillies, Pirates, Blue Jays, Rays, and Marlins. Got a ton of rivals in there. Red Sox, well, you do, Yankees, obviously. Subway Series, yeah. all that. Yeah. Uh, the West, the Dodgers and Angels, Giants, Athletics, Padres, D-backs, Rockies, Rangers, Astros, and Mariners. And the Central would be the Cubs and White Sox, the Brewers, the Cardinals, the Royals, the Reds, the Indians, Twins, Tigers, and Brave, Brave, and the Braves, Braves. Wow! So the Braves, who did play for a long time in the uh, NL West, will be uh, in the in the central of Major League Baseball under this. I guess the reason they do that and they don't put Pittsburgh in the West is. I guess to maybe limit the crossing of state lines in Pennsylvania, I have no idea. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh is eh, probably a little closer to some of these teams in the East than, the, than it would be. Uh, and Atlanta really is not that. I mean, it's a hub. It's it's not that these guys are flying commercial, but I mean, it's really not that far of a trip to the Midwest out of Atlanta. Fly wise, you know, especially if those are the teams you're playing in your division. That's That's a pretty manageable sort of deal one would think uh, i like that don't you well, I, I actually could see it staying like that well they're talking like uh keeping players in a specific spot for the whole season right like they can't go home or 
Because uh, why would Mike Trout and Clayton Kershaw well, be concerned? I guess they wouldn't. They don't want to leave their families. I mean, you'd be playing theoretically. Uh, you, you, well, not theoretically. I mean, according to this report, you're just playing the teams in your division, the nine other teams, to, to play your 80 or 100 games. Uh, so, in other words, the East does not play the West. The Central. I mean, there's no cross division. You just play the teams within your division, those nine opponents, and then I guess they'll come up with how they're going to orchestrate the playoffs out of that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they uh, they come up with the playoffs there, how they come up with a format out of that. But I, I don't think you're looking at anything um, that would that would make any there's, – there's no – I mean, because this plan here is talking about playing in, like, home stadiums and just traveling within the division. So they're not talking about going to the middle of nowhere and playing. And uh, it does not say anything about how the playoff system would work. Uh, Dan Miller asked that, and I, I, don't, I don't see anything on here, Dan. Uh, about that it's still a work in progress well the, it's being discussed i think it is interesting that they're saying this the, the article from usa today again this just came out so i'm sort of reading some of this as we go along here uh new york governor andrew cuomo and chicago mayor Lori lightfoot the woman who made sure she got her hair done uh because she was going to be on tv uh <laughs> says that teams could play in their own ballparks this summer She's referring, of course, uh, the mayor is there to Chicago, the, the Sox and the Cubs, uh, the Mets and the Yankees, uh, as far as New York goes. Uh, and there would be the, the teams would return to their own spring training facilities, respectively, in either Arizona or Florida to resume workouts. They'd have a, probably a three week period. And then they'd get to play in baseball. Uh, I guess. And again, I'm, I'm not seeing this. I'm just scanning the article here. But if. If you're going to do that, I guess you could take if the if the playoffs are going to go that long, you know, I, I you either take 5 or uh Yeah, I don't know how they would do the playoffs. Six teams maybe, but then I don't know, maybe you go with 18, I don't know. But I think originally even though it doesn't state this in this article, a lot of the talk has been uh, do we have maybe more sort of those wild card games? You know, that, that has really been one of the cool things about the baseball postseason the last few years is that those two teams that play for the wild card. Uh, it's that winner take all. I mean, it's always, uh, you know, it's one of the more intense. It's a game seven, basically. It's the most intense game you've got. And I think that there's a real possibility that you could wind up with, um, you know, however it winds up being the case. You could wind up with uh, a lot of these one-off wild card games. What do you think, Ben? To kind of get the teams into the postseason, maybe you put every give everybody a chance to play in those one-off wild card games to get in. Who knows? Uh, but I mean, you, you're looking at them playing their postseason in warmer climates, on neutral fields, or in uh, domes. So, uh, all right, we got to get a break. Uh, a lot of basketball stuff to talk. Uh, Brian Geisinger is going to be on with us, accsports.com, and uh, also from uh, Sports Channel 8 uh, on uh, Twitter and the website, sportschannel8.com. Uh, we're we're going to talk with Brian about the Danny Manning deal, NBA, trying to get things back and started, and, of course, the last dance, and the player that says that they want to slug Michael Jordan in the mouth. It's not a Detroit Piston. Brian Geisinger with that. 
Coming up after Ben updates you on what's going on. Thanks, Patrick. Ben Byram here for your 94 Through the Game Sports Update. ECU Athletic Director John Gilbert released a statement earlier today supporting interim Chancellor Ron Mitchelson in his statement that they intend to have students back in the fall. As far as athletics go for ECU, he claims his staff is working diligently to digest the continuous flow of information from several different entities to formulate a financial plan to navigate through these uncertain times. He says, through all the different scenarios, we know one thing. Our budgets will change for the foreseeable future. There's simply no way around it. The, the 2023 Atlantic Coast Conference Men's Basketball Tournament will return to Greensboro. North Carolina of Greensboro Coliseum plan host to the event. ACC Commissioner John Swafford announced the Greensboro Coliseum has hosted the ACC tournament more than any other venue and will welcome the event for the 28th time. And the NFL after pulling off its first fully virtual draft, the NFL set its sight on next year's draft, which will be held in Cleveland for the first time. On Tuesday, it was announced that the 2021 NFL draft will be held April 29th through the May 1st, 2021 in downtown Cleveland. This will be the first draft that will stretch into May since 2015. North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper approved NASCAR's plans to hold the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte Motor Speedway on May 24th without fan attendance. NASCAR is currently plan planning to resume its schedule May 17th at Darlin Darlington Speedway in South Carolina. NASCAR has been deemed an essential business in the state of North Carolina, and most teams are expected to return to work next week. Meanwhile, NASCAR officials gave driver Ryan, Ryan Newman medical clearance Monday, officially opening the path to his return once the 2020 Cup Series season resumes. Newman indicated in a Sunday interview on Fox Days he, he is healthy, following a crash while battling Ryan Blaney and Denny Hamlin for the lead on the final lap of the Daytona 500 at Daytona International Speedway in February. Spent less than two days in the hospital before his release, walking out of Halifax Health Medical Center in Daytona Beach, Florida, with his daughters by his side. Here, 94 through the game sports update. I'm Ben Byram. More from the Patrick Johnson show after this. A quick message from Patrick Johnson. Back. All right, thanks, Ben. Now I wanted to bring up. Uh, apparently, Arlington headed east is backed up to Hooker uh, because of the uh, lane being reduced on the block where WITN is. Uh, so past Evans there where the construction is, uh, just getting some word that uh, that if you're headed that way on Arlington, if you're headed east, uh, traffic backed up to Hooker uh, beyond Rose High School. So you may want to seek another uh, route if that's going to take you there. OK, wanted to get that in, Ben, because uh, that's an important thing here during uh, the drive home for folks. Uh, when we return, uh, we'll, we'll find out about the player that wants to slug MJ in the mouth. Brian Geisinger, Sports Channel 8, when we return. Here we go. We're back. Back to the P-Man. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Brian Geisinger uh, with uh, ACCSports.com, the Sports Channel 8 gang, and their uh, radio show in uh, Raleigh. He is uh, our go-to hoops guy, and uh, we go to him right now as we uh, bring him aboard. Brian, uh, talked to you a little before we went on the air. Glad to hear all as well. Thanks for taking a few minutes yeah. with us here this afternoon. Of course. I hope everyone's uh, doing well down there. Yeah, we're all hanging in. Uh, let Good. me uh, start with the Danny Manning news from the weekend. Uh, I'm in my uh, home office just plugging away on some other things on uh, Saturday morning and uh, get uh, get somebody that shoots me a little text that says, hey, Danny Manning, done. Yeah. Uh, and yep. uh, I was 
you and I talked a few weeks ago and we thought it was imminent and then it didn't mm-hmm. happen. And yeah, it happens this past weekend, you know, I, I fade accompli maybe. Uh, but I mean, it just seems the timing's kind of odd. Yeah, no, I mean, this, uh, Look, the, the situation was obvious, was far from ideal. Uh, if, you, if you're if you're just trying to focus in on sports, the situation was was far from ideal uh, with what John Curry and Wake Forest were having to deal with here. Like I reported a story um, on at, at ACCSports.com um, the week before the ACC tournament that at that that juncture, you know, early March, late February, buyout negotiations had already started with uh, with Danny Manning. Uh, Danny Manning's agent and the school. And yet it took two months, two full months for that to actually come wow. to fruition. Um, and that's crazy because, you know, they, they finished their season just a week after that. They, they lost Tuesday to Pittsburgh at the ACC tournament. Um, you know, the, the, another lose the fifth losing season for, for Manning out of six years when he's in, he's at, at Wake Forest. Um, but then the next day is Wednesday night and Wednesday night is when Rudy Gobert, uh, test positive uh, for coronavirus in Oklahoma City, and then it just seemed like after that, uh, for a couple of days, everything was really spiraling. Sports are getting canceled, tournaments are getting canceled. Uh, this this new reality that I guess we're becoming a little more used to now it starts to settle in, and it really really pushed back. I think a lot of stuff that 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 Wake was hoping to get done. Um, earlier in March to the end of April. So yeah, you're right. The timing is weird. And there, and there were mixed messages coming out of Winston-Salem. I mean, Danny Manning recruited guys to the program, right? They signed a recruiting class in 2020. Um, they, they added multiple transfers, including a graduate transfer to the program from, from Houston Baptist this summer. Um, and Manning was meeting with media. He spoke with not, not, not like a lot, but he spoke with multiple uh, well, yeah, people in the that was the thing. Media. He was still he was he, he was still kind of acting like the, uh, the 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 spokesman of the of the basketball program, the leader yeah. of the basketball. That's what yes. was so crazy about this. It, it, it was, and so I had got I, I sort of gotten to a point where I, I kept thinking it was going to happen. And look, it wasn't just Wake Forest. Every high major program sort of had their hands tied. I mean, Clemson they decided to bring back Brad Bunnell. Boston College brought back Jim Christian. He he's been the closest facsimile to Danny Manning in the ACC in terms of tenure and, and, a, and a lack of success at, at, at Boston College. Um, it, everyone came back. And so I got to a point where I thought, wow, maybe they, maybe this really did uh, hold on to Danny's job for another year in part because, you know, we know just how much some of these schools are going to be losing from, uh, from a revenue standpoint with no NCAA tournament. Who knows what's going to happen with the 2020 football season. Danny Manning has a sizable buyout. How does that factor into the yeah. equation, too? You yeah. know, so and then you've got to go out and hire a new coaching staff after that. Which, even if you do go a um, you know a more cost-effective route, it's still. I mean, we're still talking. You know, these are millions of dollars that are still flying around. This is a lot of dough. So, I had sort of gotten to a point where after a couple of weeks, I just assumed I was sort of waiting every day for the news to drop so I could you know, get a story out. And uh, I sort of started to let my guard down a little bit. It's just fact, assumed that, uh, that Danny would be back. And then sure enough, uh, like you said, Saturday morning, uh, the hammer fell. And uh, now it's on to a coaching search for the Deeks. 
So, uh, Brian Geisinger, ACCSports.com and Sports Channel 8 uh, with us following uh, college and pro hoops, uh, about as good as it gets as far as analytics and, and things like that. Um, so, Brian, who's the – I mean, who knows how this process is going to go, but who's the likely candidate in this situation at Wake? I think there's, I think there's a, several really good coaches to, uh, to consider. Um, I mean, there's some of the obvious local ones, right? There's the Wes Miller, UC Greensboro, that's, you know, is, is from the Roy Williams coaching tree and has been an assistant at Elon, High Point, head coach at Greensboro for a while now. He's really, really young still. Um, has built a, a really nice program in the tribe with, with UNCG. They are, a, uh, I think, three straight years now as a, as a top 10, top 100, pardon me, Ken Palm team. I think three straight, either top 50 or top 75 defenses in terms of adjusted efficiency. Um, you know, Isaiah Miller, the SoCon Defensive Player of the Year, he entered the NBA draft. So, like, that's great. He got into one NCAA tournament as well, too. I think Pat Kelsey down at Winthrop has done a really, really nice job. And, and Pat Kelsey, he's young. But now he's got a fair amount of head coaching reps under his belt. He's from Skip Prosser Coaching Tree, which – I know Skip has been, sadly, been gone, I mean, almost 13 years now, but that still matters, that Wake Forest. It still matters in Winston-Salem. Um, and if you have any sort of cognitive dissonance over not getting Chris Mack, and especially now that he's in the conference at Louisville, well, Pat Kelsey's like the closest thing to that in terms of you know, coming from the same Xavier Wake Forest assembly line with, with Prosser. But his teams play fast, they shoot a lot of threes, perfect for the modern game. I also like Russell Turner. Out at UC Irvine, who was an assistant at Wake Forest um, when Dave Odom was the head coach there. And I think there's a couple other interesting names, too. I mean, Steve Forbes, uh, Ryan Odom, the son of Dave Odom, who coaches at UMBC now. I think these are all interesting names to consider. And if you want to throw around, you know, something like John Beeline, we've heard Tommy Amaker up at Harvard, his name floated around, too. Wow. So, and then Thad Mata. I think, I think, I mean, I just listed off eight names or seven or eight names. That's a lot. But um, I think any of those hires would actually be pretty good. And, and Wake just so desperately needs to it, – it's not even like you know you need to hit, hit a home run on this, but they've just got to get on base here because um, the program's fallen on, on, on hard times. It's been dormant for over a decade now. Uh, this is what happens when you sort of swing and miss on back-to-back coaching hires with Jeff Bezellick and Danny Manning and um, – yeah, I mean, look, they're not necessarily starting from scratch because it wakes a proud basketball program with good history. Um, it's in the ACC. It's in a nice city, nice campus. There's stuff to recruit to it. Um, wake's gotten players before in the past, but they've got to make the right hire. Like, this this, this situation with Manning has been sort of a, the, the matzo ball that's hanging there for a while now. And, um, yeah, it's finally, it's finally passed, but now it becomes the even more important decision of, who's next in line. All right, Brian is on the line with us uh, here, uh, accsports.com. ACC tournament announces it's coming back to Greensboro for the 2023. It was supposed to be there this year, obviously canceled because of, of COVID-19. Uh, I want to get to some NBA stuff, but really quick, this is obviously a big score for the, uh, the Coliseum and the Greensboro area. Yeah, absolutely, and it's great that, it, that it's coming back there. I mean, it, it really is a, a financial boon uh, to to a city like Greensboro when it comes, and that's why it was that's one of the reasons why it was so tough uh, to see it get canceled this year, and one of the reasons why I think that, that 
Johns Walker and the ACC really agonized over. I mean, they had no choice. Their hands were completely tied. But I think it really hurt the commissioner to have to pull the plug on Greensboro. It is the ACC's home base. And that event, more so than when it's in D.C., like it's going to be in 2021 or in, in Brooklyn, when it's going to be uh, back at Barclays Center in 2022, like it is a real uh, boon financially for the, for the city and for the surrounding businesses and um, in its home, you know. So I, I, I'm excited for it to be back there. It was, it was unfortunate to see it get, it get plugged. Like, I'm not a purist when it comes to tournament location. Uh, Charlotte's been great. D.C.'s been great. Brooklyn's great. Greensboro is phenomenal, too. And uh, I think it's the right thing to have it go back there as soon as it possibly could. All right, we got Brian Geisinger with us here. Uh, I want to talk some NBA uh, with you. Brian, of course, ACCSports.com and Sports Channel 8. Uh, there's word that end of the week that I guess some facilities may open to uh, teams. Is that still happening? Uh, uh, and obviously that's a state-by-state city-by-city kind of deal. Uh, what's the latest on that as far as NBA facilities opening the doors and, and letting guys get back so they can start to work out? Yeah, and I know it's like uh, some of the, the verbiage has changed on this already. Um, you know, it has been has been pushed back. Um, and I think as far as, like, how players are going to be allowed to come in, there's going to be a variety of procedures that they're going to have to go through uh, in terms of keeping an eye on the overall capacity of how many guys are practicing, how many guys are working out, um, the equipment, the conditions that are on hand um, to, to, for these guys to, to, to play in. And then they've also said, too, like, um, I think this is one of the reasons why the NBA had to sort of take some steps to have a, a unified front on this after initially saying, hey, if your home state like Georgia or Florida is saying, you know, we're opening things back up, therefore your training facilities, practice facilities can be, too, like there was, there was concern that if practice facilities were only opened up in certain states, that perhaps, let's just say, as an example, a player from someone like Milwaukee may try to go to Orlando to, to, to practice, you know what I mean, to, to find a gym to work out in, to play pickup or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that has, and so anyways, that's why they try to come up with more of a sort of like unified front on when we're going to open things back up. And they have also said, too, like, I still, NBA players are still not supposed to be, uh, you know, working out or playing basketball in anything outside of, like, the official, their team's official NBA facilities. So, um, it's still, there's still, you know, again, there is some change there, but they're still keeping things uh, fairly locked down for all of the obvious reasons right now. Well, there's not a ton of guys, but I mean, you got a guy. I think it's Doug McDermott who has been in Omaha, in Nebraska. Yeah, and that state never had a shutdown. That city never had any kind of shutdown or curfew. So, I mean, he's been able to sort of, you know, work out. One would think, uh, yeah. like you would any normal kind of off season. So, I mean, that, that's just an isolated example. But there are examples like that. Places that are going to be coming back, and guys can get going anyway. So it's. It's going to be interesting to see what the reaction is uh, as as more and more states and cities reopen. Uh, obviously, you Brian Geisinger, by the way, with us, ACCSports.com and Sports Channel 8. Uh, you obviously have been watching, uh, as we all have, uh, The Last Dance. Uh, I thought this last episode was the best of the four, and they've all been really, really strong. Um, I, I, want to, I want to play a couple of things. Our producer, Ben Byram, noted from, I guess, yesterday's Dan Patrick show. Uh, Reggie Miller was on there. Was it yesterday or today? Uh, it was yesterday. Okay. Uh, and this is, uh, well, this is the big one to me. 
you know, we were talking a lot about Detroit and, uh, and Chicago. I think we're going to get to Indiana, Chicago in some of this, but, uh, this is Reggie Miller basically telling Dan Patrick, he, he would, he wants to slug MJ in the, in, in the jaw. Go ahead. Play the cut, Ben. Like, let's say we went to dinner and then you see MJ. I might punch him. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It, uh, again, are you being serious? Going, are you that? Would you be? You'd have different emotions. Man, there was a lot of stuff. Um, look, I don't kiss and tell. Okay, I, I've fair. never been that type of player. I'm not going to kiss and tell. Okay, you know, there's a lot of things said on the on the hard floor, and I've said a lot of things at times. Maybe I, you know, regret. All right, so that was Reggie Miller on, t- on Dad Patrick uh, there. <laughs> We, we've obviously seen uh, Zeke, uh, Isaiah Thomas, uh, say and uh, in print articles say a lot of things. Uh, I watched a clip this morning from uh, the jump with Lambeer on it, which was kind of funny, uh, to me at least. Uh, Lambeer's trying to be charming uh, <laughs> in a way. Yeah. Uh, what, what's your reaction to that? I mean, because Reggie Miller was that guy that was coming along near the end of the Bulls run. Yeah, that's right. Well, it, it, like the Pacers especially are, are 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 really one of the 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 second half of the Bulls Jordan dynasty. The Pacers are one of their stronger foes in the uh, in the Eastern Conference and really pushed them. I think it's the '97 playoffs. The Indiana really pushed uh, Chicago to I think one of the few seven game series that that the Bulls were ever in. And I, I'm assuming we'll get later in this in in the documentary. We'll probably get maybe even a little bit more on that series. That's some good Pacers teams, Rick Smith, the Davis brothers, uh, Reggie Miller, um, but uh, Mark Jackson. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's fascinating because this is uh, this documentary has been great for a lot of reasons. I agree with you. I think the third and fourth episodes were incredibly strong, and, and I really, really enjoyed them and was thoroughly entertained. But uh, it just does. It just goes to show you, it's like to be as good as, as guys like Reggie Miller, Isaiah Thomas. Michael Jordan, especially it's like, it's, you can have all the physical tools in the world, but you have to just be like a psycho competitor too. <laughs> now I, I do think I, I do mean, you really do. You have to just be a total maniac. Um, and I, and I think it's almost, it's like the smaller you are, it's like the more you even have to like summon that up. I, I think, look, I'm a huge Chris Paul fan. He's the guy that over his NBA career has been buzzed for being, you know, dirty or, overly aggressive or whatever on the court. It's like, imagine being six feet tall in the NBA and being historically good. Like you, you have to, you have to go out every night, just assuming everyone is there to, to ruin your world. Um, it's the, the angst and competitive drive you have to build up to, to even play in that atmosphere. Something that I, I just, I can't imagine it, you know? Um, and so it's fascinating to hear some of those stories 25, 30 years later from, from this, MJ run and the, the Chicago Bulls run. I do think, while I don't like question uh, the animosity or some of the lingering feelings that Isaiah Thomas or MJ or Reggie Miller have, I, I do think somewhat, I do think there can be the possibility where, um, you know, now that this is like sort of like in the zeitgeist and people are talking about it, I could see people sort of like wanting to even play up the drama of it a little bit. You know yeah. what I mean? Someone like, yeah. someone like Reggie that is an entertainer. You know what I mean? Um, look, if he goes to a restaurant, he and Michael Jordan, they're rich. They're going to be able to shake hands and it's going to be fine. You know, like I, I, so I do think there is some 
element of people are like, you know, they're in the mood. Everyone's talking about it. So there's just like, uh, you, you feel the need to sort of not like over exaggerate the story, but to, you can, you can really play up the, the emotional aspects of it, I guess. Uh, this is one of those. We got time for this. Just one other thing here. Uh, he, he talks about on Dan Patrick, who he would take off of the dream team, I guess, which is going to be, if it's not featured, I think it is featured in five heavily dream yeah. team really becomes the focal point of one of the next two. So this is who Reggie Miller says he would take off and I guess put Isaiah on. Let me just say this. Isaiah Thomas should have been on that 92 dream team. And people are like, well, who do you, who do you have taken off? John Stockton, uh, Clyde Drexler, one of those two guys, uh, Christian Leitner, one of those three guys, Isaiah Thomas should have been on that team because of what he had done in the league, his stature. He had won two championships. He should have been on that team. Yeah, Leitner's the obvious pick, but let's say you yes, have a collegiate on, and I think there were some political reasons they wanted to have a collegiate on uh, the team right. at the time. So I, I kind of agree with him, Stockton or, or – uh, definitely Drexler. No, no offense to Drexler. We ended up getting a ring, but at that point, Isaiah had kind of accomplished more than Drexler. Yeah, I mean, he he'd accomplished, you know, perhaps, at least just in terms of team success, more than John Stockton. Now, John Stockton, to be clear, had a, a better career in terms of his numbers oh, yeah. are better, yeah. the longevity is better. I mean, Stockton is historically underappreciated, uh, in my opinion. I mean, it's funny we mentioned I mentioned Chris Paul a little bit ago. Uh, he and Stockton are like the closest, you know, facsimiles to one another probably in NBA history. They're just two of these, these two amazing six foot point guards. But um, it's tough. I, I guess maybe if you if you force me to, I'd say Drexler. It's like <laughs> you've got MJ right. and Pippen on the wing. Uh, you know, maybe if you really felt the need to at this point, Larry Bird. You know, older. Um, oh, that pains me. That pains me. You, you know, but, I, but like, but I mean, any of the older guys, you could. You know, I'm, I don't want to take off Magic Johnson or Larry Bird. These guys are incredible, and, and Magic was still really good in '92 as well. But like, um, I don't know. I, I guess if you, if you if you had to say you had to have a college guy on there with Leitner and Shashevsky was an assistant coach. Yeah, an assistant coach on that team. Um, if you if you had to have Leitner on there, then yeah, I mean, I guess I'd go. Uh, I, I guess I would go Drexler, but. It, being <laughs> Clyde's one of the 50 greatest players and, you know, 50, 60 greatest players in league history too. So it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's tough. Hey, thanks for the uh, time here, buddy. And, uh, we'll stay in touch and talk to you soon. And, uh, maybe, maybe we'll have some basketball at some point to talk about. Yep. Fingers crossed. Uh, everyone stay safe and let's, let's get back to back to hoops as soon as we can. That'd be great. Yeah, hopefully so. Brian Geisinger, uh, ACCSports.com, Sports Channel 8. Uh, back to uh, wrap it up after this. I'm a like us on Twitter at 94.3 The Game for breaking sports news, programming alerts, and the latest from the ECU Pirates. Back to the show. It's all coming back. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. It's a good... Uh, little chat there with Guy Singer. He was good. Uh, I've been uh, emailing in the break with uh, Scott Cooper from uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway. He thinks maybe Thursday or Friday they'll have something official. And uh, we'll talk to somebody from the Speedway as soon as they do. 
and uh, that'll be interesting. That will be interesting. So uh, the governor says Coca-Cola 600 likely. No fans. MLB trying to get that uh, season started up in July. Going to be interesting. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow. We'll try to delve a little further into how some of this will happen and uh, bring you the very latest on uh, how the COVID-19 is impacting uh, sports, but also the economy and life. Happy birthday to our guy, Ben Byram. Thanks to Brian Geisinger, Patrick Johnson saying we'll see you tomorrow. Be safe out there, folks.